lot, buddy, Mark. Welcome to the best Fridays in football with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Coming up later, the return of Terry Bradshaw, that's your college football, Tony Barnhart, Cassidy Hill on the SEC Plus, Andy Billman and Brendan Martin. And now the guy you just heard right there is Coach Urban Meyer. Hello, Coach. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Well, you know, uh, looks like the Buckeyes made it to the first round. Wow. Yeah, it's devastating. Columbus, Ohio is in mourning because of the loss of the uh, the game, the robbery game. I mean, that means the world to everybody here. I, it's really just hard to fathom they're not going to play it. However, you have to be flexible and, and move forward. And the Big Ten announced that Ohio State would play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game, even though they didn't hit the maximums or the minimum six games. So there's a lot of uh, storyline out there, but I think, you know, the fact that Ohio State beat Indiana head-to-head, uh, that would be the right thing to do, and there is very little pushback from what I understand. In the end, you want to do what's right, and people can complain all they want to about, well, they rigged it, they did this, they did that. There were some questionable things happening in the ACC, but I think – we are the same in this way. We want the best teams to get in. And if Ohio State is the best team and it's being penalized because of a conference rule, that's unfair. And I'll add to that the fact, as you know so well, Ryan Day and his players and the parents, you were a big part of that, went to bat for football. And I think people like Ryan Day and Ohio State and also Greg Sankey really fought for what they believed in and I think that's the story of Ohio State making it. It is. You feel for the players of Indiana. But my concern, buddy, is it gets closer to the college football playoff and you start having conversations about who should go in the playoff. This was fairly simple because there was a head-to-head. You know, Ohio State did play Indiana. Indiana played two more games. But, you know, that really is not hard to see that Ohio State was a better team. That They play each other ten times and, Ohio State will win the majority of them. My concern is when you get a college football playoff committee, and I've said this many times on TV as well, is that you have 13 people. There's only two people that watched film. That really, you know, I, I'm not being disrespectful to seven ADs and two former players and, you know, a sports writer and uh, I believe a sports writer, a uh, professor from Arizona State, and then a retired military official. I, I, no, obviously they're, I think the, a bunch of them have played the game, but there's a big difference between pushing play on a on a you know digital video and evaluate what's the best team. You know that that you know who's better, Auburn or Florida? I'm not Auburn. You got Florida, you got Texas A&M, you got um, you got Ohio State. You know you got maybe a, a Notre Dame loses to Clemson. You know maybe uh, Florida loses to Alabama or Alabama loses to Florida. Who is going to make that decision? It's not going to be as simple because the playoff committee has always had a couple constants. The constants were interconference games that they could evaluate. Number two, the same number of games. Number three, the big wins that you would have, and, and you just don't see those this year. Back to another point you made, I think this is the real tragedy. Could you have ever imagined in your lifetime a football season where Ohio State and Michigan did not play? No, I can't. And, uh, you know, the Wolverines are really struggling. You know, they, you watch them on videotape and they're not the same 
team that we all grew up watching uh, for a variety of, variety of reasons. And it was a 30-point spread. I mean, could you imagine when Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes were coaching? Wow. If someone said, yeah, uh, there's a 30-point underdog in this game, you know, people would say you're out of your darn mind. But that's what happened. And so that, uh, you know, I, it is, it's, it's really difficult to not play that game, but, uh, there's, you know, there, there's a lot going on in Ann Arbor that has to get fixed. How things deteriorate so quickly. And you think about the once proud rivalry that some people thought might be the best in the country. What I like about talking to you is your perspective. You've seen them both, you know what it's like. Uh, when Florida lines up against this arch rival and plays and how important it is that Georgia, like you said, you got to win that game as you found out. So <clears throat> the, the, to lose a rivalry is, I think, like that is really one of the real travesties of this pandemic in a year where we have to be ready for almost everything and anything, and that's what happened. Yeah, you can relate it a little bit to Florida, Florida and Tennessee. You know, when I first got to Florida in 2005, Tennessee was the the big dog in the East. And boy, were they. I mean, what great teams. They won a national championship. They had as many NFL players as anyone. You know, they beat Florida, uh, you know, back and forth. That was a good rivalry. Uh, within, you know, I think there's only been one win by Tennessee in the last, you know, 10 years or 15 years, whatever it's been. And I think when you look at Florida, people don't acknowledge the Florida-Tennessee rivalry as much anymore across the country, where there was a time where it was the first, you know, first uh, uh, SEC game or second SEC third game. Third of the year. Was usually, on that three. usually it was the third. Was of the, it was the third of the year, a third game, usually yeah. the first SEC game. You're correct on that. Uh, and it was back in those days, uh, in the mid-90s, it was right up there with some of the best rivalries, as you say. But I think it's interesting, and you like to sort of break things down. What happens to a rivalry? Of course, one thing that happens, Coach, is one team wins so much, it's not a rivalry anymore. Yeah, that's a shame, and that's 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 a failure on the part of that team to be as honest as you can. You know, that's you know, if a rivalry starts to die because that team is just not very good and they continue to lose, that's certainly not Florida's problem or Ohio State's problem. Uh, but reality is across America, you don't look at that as a rivalry anymore. Uh, same thing. I hope that would never happen in this game. But you look at the, you know, the last 16 years, there's been one win. You know, there's probably uh, certainly that rivalry has been diminished across the country, which is, you know, for an Ohio guy who grew up in that rivalry, you know, it, it's devastating. You've also experienced Alabama, Florida, which that has dominated the SEC championship. This will be the 10th meeting between these two teams. Early on, Florida had its way with four in a row, and lately, of course, Alabama has its way. You had a couple of really, really great games. One of them was your SEC championship game in 2008. Uh, not the same result in 2009. Talk for a minute about how Florida and, and Alabama, although not really a regular season game, have become such big rivals in the playoffs and what it means to these two teams to go hammer and top. Well, Alabama's arguably, when you look at the number of championships, the and I really didn't realize that until I was in the SEC and I started doing a lot of research. You know, Alabama's, you know, that's as tradition-rich program as there is in college football and success they've had. And then when they hired, you know, they had kind of about a 10- to 12-year 
you know, I know Coach Shula had a really good year in there, but uh, for the most part, Alabama was floundering for a while, and then Nick Saban was hired and brought them to, you know, the best program, really most consistent program in America the last since he's been there. And then Florida, you know, there's been some really good teams and then some very average teams, and to see Dan Mullen bring it back to the cusp, and I really believe there'll be a legitimate challenge in Alabama. Uh, good players, excellent coaches, and I, I believe it. But this is this would be the two big dogs going against each other. And I used to tell people that SEC championship game, it won't be the same this year because it's without fans. But that was the Super Bowl. Yeah. And when I my first one in '06, I was my breath, and I don't usually get my breath taken away when I walked in that arena and saw that crowd and saw the. And I mean, the energy level was about to knock the top off the uh, Georgia Dome. You know, I was blown away. And then obviously in 08, I still think that's one of the greatest college football games of all time. And one of the greatest performances by a player, Tim Tebow, and there was many more Cooper and Lewis Murphy and some other guys were phenomenal. But that was when you really study that game, whoever won that game had a great chance of winning a national title. Yeah, I think maybe it's happened four times, by the way, (laughs) out of the series that four times the national champions come from that game. And getting back to that 2008, we talked about it earlier this year. I happened to be watching it on TV, and I texted you, wow. I remembered that fourth quarter, but I looked at it against Urban. I'm sitting here watching this, which I think is one of the great football games I've seen, and you just brought that up. And that game – that should be preserved for an eternity. And that fourth quarter for the Florida Gators, the way they played and the way the offense and defense played, that's textbook. It is. And, uh, I, I mean, I I remember every play like it was yesterday, too, and uh, the incredible performances on both, really both sides of the ball. Because you talked about NFL talent just splattered across that entire field, you know, from Julio Jones going against uh, Janoris Jenkins and, and Joe Hayden and uh, – Lewis Murphy and then Tim Tebow and then the Pouncey brothers. And what's ironic is maybe the best player on the field didn't play that day. Yes. You know, Percy Harvin did not play in that game. And uh, a guy named David Nelson became a legend after that game for the way he performed. David Nelson, one of my favorite players. You mentioned in the podcast a couple of weeks ago about great players, and you put Percy Harvin right up there near the top in terms of talent. Just tell people again what a great player he was and what made him. He had a change of speed in the way he ran, and he was such an athlete and such a terrific uh, receiver and, and by the way, also a runner. Talk about Percy just a little bit. Yeah, I've been blessed to coach. You look at top five picks, top ten picks. You're from the Zeke Elliott's to, uh, you know, uh, I mean, shoot, Alex Smith was the number one pick overall. Chase Young, and I could go on and on. Bosa brothers and some of the great players. All those, Joe Hayden and Janoris Jenkins, like I said, these incredible corners. But Percy, to me, is the best athlete that I have ever seen put on a helmet. He was a guy, he never got hit either. He was a violent, violent player. Very fast, athletic, change of direction. But as I think when I really sit back now, I never saw him get hit. I never saw him, his vision to play that violent and fast and reckless. He never got hit. And that was that, you know, you can't teach that vision now. That was God, God touched that kid on the shoulder and said, I'm going to give you this talent. And uh, yeah, he was, he's as good as I've ever seen on a football field. I never thought of that. I watched him play every game. I don't remember him getting hit either. I think about it. Very good point. Dan Mullen, I, I just wanted to ask you about 
something that I talked to Dan about. And I know he got this from you and your school and your thought and whatever, because we've talked about it a lot, how important it is to take one little thing at a time, not just to one game, but even a one play or a one practice or whatever, and take it by the numbers as Lou Holtz told you back in when you had your national championship in 2006 in Ohio State. Don't play that game before you're ready. I talked to Coach Mullen on, earlier in the week about how he approaches this and, and, uh, and how he approaches this, and I asked him, if maybe this wasn't something that was incremental, meaning small amounts of progress, and he didn't uh, he didn't go for that incremental stuff, but uh, he is he's so hyper focused. He is a point where he is not allowing himself to think Alabama. He's got LSU, but he's not even the LSU yet. He's already on. How can we get better today? So that's a uh, that's a gift for a coach. It is. It's called single era of focus. It's a great gift for a coach. It's a great gift for a CEO. It's, you know, it's a great gift for anyone that's in a leadership position. If you're single era of focus and, you know, distractions are everywhere, especially at a place like Florida and the first, you know, this is the best team they've had in a long, long time. And for, I, you know, I've been in Gainesville. I mean, here's everybody's, everybody's looking at one thing right now, Alabama. Everybody, you can't walk down the street. You can't, every sports writer, every fan, every administrator, SEC, SEC, and he's got a job is to make sure you beat uh, the next team on the schedule. No doubt about it. We have a long list of Ask Urbans today, but I have to get one thing here for you in. Uh, number one, uh, you give Florida a putt your chance against Alabama? Oh, I, I absolutely. I, I think, you know, I think they'll score points on them. Uh, I think they'll score points on anyone. You know, I think their defense, I, I just want to see them, you know, maybe I'm just trying to not be a fan here, but I, I really think their defense is getting better. I know at times maybe it doesn't look that way. I think Alabama's Sarkeesian, what he, I'd love watching that team play. That Devonta Smith, my goodness. I mean, he's he's the person. He's the, he has a kid named Devin Smith that ran like that. So I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Well, <clears throat> I think the folks in Vegas favor Alabama by two touchdowns. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's a big one, yeah. Uh, real quick, Coach, uh, any comments on the situation at LSU? Things have gotten from bad to worse. Uh, Gilbert, the tight end, is opting out. And now uh, LSU announced its self-imposed one-year bowl ban. Uh, things not going well for the former national champions. No, and, uh, you know, I I'm not sure. I'm not – I don't have my hands on that one. I've been in situations where you win a national championship and the whole world changes. I know they had a massive loss of talent and a massive loss of talented coaches. So I kind of foresaw that this was going to be a, a you know, a bump in the road for them. So uh, as far as, you know, I understand there's some violation issues and I'm not well versed in all that, but a bull band when you're two and five, I'm not sure. You know, I'm sure the media have got a hold of that one now. I yeah, mean, they're on we're it. We're going to mm. have a self-imposed bowl ban with your – I think the record's two and five. Three, five, I believe it is. Mm. Um, oh, three yeah, and five. I think so, yeah. But you're, it's the same point. I mean, they're not going to go to a bowl. They're going to lose Saturday. They're 25-point underdogs to Florida, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but, all right, Coach, just a couple of quick things. I want to get into this LSU flub fake field goal I read a story about. Since you copy up, you remember that UNS Miles and LSU had some real interesting games. Another 2007 game was one. And then this fake field goal, which is a big story about, about, uh, how this kicker, Derek Holton, uh, this play called Tiger, they had to rehearse this 
and put it in against Florida. Um, and then uh, they they pitched the ball over over his head, and when the ball hit, it looked like it was an incomplete pass, but it went forward and the player advanced it for the first down, and that wound up costing you the game. Have you relived that moment at all? Have you seen that play? What are your thoughts about that play? Yeah, I want to thank you for ruining my day the other day when you <laughs> said that to me. So I tried to move on from stuff like that, but that was horrible. That oh. was. Uh, you know, we had a chance to win the SEC East that year. That was in 2010, I believe. And uh, when that happened, uh, they were a highly ranked team. We were, you know, we had some losses. Uh, that was a big year after we lost a lot of talent. But that was, uh, you know, I thought it was over. When the guys upstairs told me it was a forward pass, I remember I actually threw my headsets. and said, we won the game. And then they come back and said, no, it's not. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a backward pass. And so, yeah, that was uh that was awful. Yeah. Sorry to run you, Dave. Now I'm going to make your day. At a time when we're talking about how problems are engulfing us all, Terry Bradshaw later talks about it, the state of mind that he is in, about all the negative thinking, talking, you're down, we have problems, health problems. Are coming. Here's a message. I want you to see if you can guess who it is. Happy 38th birthday to myself. My birthday has been just another day to me for quite some time. 2020 losing friends, teammates, and beating COVID-19 has not only made me appreciate the people, things, and accomplishments in my life, but more importantly, just being thankful for simply waking up on the right side of the ground and having the ability to stand right side up. If you know me, you know it's natural for me to always focus on others and their well-being because that's who I am. But 2020 has taught me to never take having a birthday for granted because they aren't always promised. A guy you know named Vernell, Vernell Brown. Wow. Yeah, he was the first original face of Florida football because he was everything I wanted our program to be about. Selflessness, hard work, and team. And uh, that is so cool. I was wondering where you're going with that. I, I didn't know exactly who that was, but that is Vernell Brown. Okay, ready for Ask Urban? Sure. All right, first quick, give me your top forward, and then we'll do it. Top four in the CFP? Yeah. Top four would be Alabama, number one. Uh, Notre Dame, number two. Ohio State, number three. And Clemson, number four. Uh, with Florida, number five. And Florida has a play-in game. If they went all the way, they'll make it, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, uh, here's a couple of questions. We even got a letter today, Coach, from somebody I, I want to read real quick. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is not it, but Pete from St. Pete. Have these buyouts gotten out of hand? Do you feel what do you feel about them, and do they favor the school or the coach or both? I do believe they're out of hand. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the whole agent process. You know, I think they're really hurting schools. Uh, I've always believed, you know, and I'd never one time asked for a raise. I never one time asked for a title because I just wasn't raised that way. And I don't believe in that. I don't believe that. I believe you do your job the best your ability. You'll be fine. You know, I, if you are not, if it's not going well, then yeah, I think believe that there should be a some sort of separation, but not to the point where you're you're putting a school in harm's way. And right now, there's so many schools in harm's way. No, I, to answer your question. I don't believe in it at all. Betsy in Boise asks, "How do you feel about the early signing period now, and who does it favor?" Yeah, I'm a big. Uh, I think it's been a a big disappointment. I think 
what happens is you're, you see more transfers now than you've ever seen before. You see people committing earlier than they've ever been before. Most of the kids are committed before their senior year. So now college coaches and players, you know, you can't watch their and make decisions on their senior year. I know high school coaches for the most part are against it. So I, I just, when it started, I couldn't stand it. And now that I evaluate it, I just think it's, there's a reason why there's so many, I think kids are making early decisions because they feel like they're forced. And I know coaches are making early decisions because they are forced. Other schools offer you. And I remember saying, man, I don't want to, he's not ready to offer him yet. Well, these other three schools have, so we have to. And that's not right. I, I think you slow it down. And, uh, but I think that air is out of the blue and it, it'll, it'll never come back. All right. We have a letter to co- okay, coach. I'm going to save it for the last one. But first, Tommy from Kalamazoo wants to know, have you ever been fired? Your thoughts on the firing of Will Muschamp? I've been fired as assistant coach twice, once at Ohio State in 1987. But I was a graduate assistant, but but uh, so I didn't feel the impact. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a family yet. I was fired in 1990 at Colorado State, excuse me, 92 or 93. And I had two little girls. And uh, that was, I mean, that was a game changing moment for Shelly and I that we, you know, we couldn't find a job. I almost got out of coaching and got like into insurance or, you know, that type of some other business because it was devastating. Your first responsibility to support your family. So I've been fired twice. Um, and the firing of Will Muschamp, you know, I had a lot of respect for Coach Muschamp. I was involved when we hired him in Florida uh, after I left. Uh, I think he's a heck of a coach. Um, uh, but, you know, unfortunately, South Carolina, that's a tough place. You know, yes. I think it's a great place, but it's a tough place. You know, I, I used to talk to Coach Spurrier, but I, I think they have one of the great game day atmospheres. They have great talent around them, but the reality is, you wake up in that conference every day, at least third, you know, just on resources and tradition and Florida and Georgia ahead of you. Probably not going to have anybody win 11 games three years in a row anytime soon in South Carolina. So, all right, coach, this is a letter. This is a gentleman from Arizona named Dave Larder, who will ask you, said, I, along with many others, believe one of the, that this book was one of the best leadership books I've ever read above the line since you began your new analyst role and a consulted organizations, as well as your podcast with Tim kite and buddy, there must be a new book inside of you busting to get out. Are you considering one? Dave Larder. Ironically, buddy, you're, you're aware of one We're we're uh, in the initial stages of writing another book. Uh, with the, we're not quite sure the title yet, but the topic will be hope and opportunity. The ultimate job of a leader is to provide hope and opportunity in these difficult times that we, I think it's going to be very appropriate. Uh, and it's something that we're, haven't really got going on yet, but we will soon. Hope and opportunity. You couldn't have a better title at a better time. My favorite author of all time, R.J. Kenan Rollins, once said, man can live without hope but not for long. Wow. So true. Urban Meyer, coming up next, we'll have Terry Bradshaw. He's got some things to say about his friend, Urban Meyer. Coach Meyer, have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week on the Urban Meyer Podcast. Thanks, buddy. Revealing interview, and, of course, you can tell, like you said, uh, Columbus was really 
a mess, a hot mess. And all of a sudden last week, they found a way to get the Buckeyes in the playoffs. And I'm sure the folks in Buckeye land are very happy. And I'm sure that the guy who cheers for the Browns and the Buckeyes and everything Ohio, standing by our executive producer, Andy Billman is very happy that the Buckeyes are back and are going to get a piece of the Big Ten title if they can beat Northwestern. Right, Andy? Well, ironically, even though I'm from the Buckeye State, I am not a Buckeye fan per se, but I followed the the program closely. That was a, a big, big, big deal. Um, not surprising. I, I, I thought it was interesting, too, how I made sure to put out there wasn't much pushback, meaning that was a given. Barry Alvarez also. Wisconsin AD said a basically similar statement. I think the the big thing is now for the Buckeyes is can can they beat Northwestern probably? And then what does that mean? I mean, I would like to hear your thoughts, buddy. I they've only they're only going to play now six games going into this playoff. I actually think that's a disadvantage. Um, that's not a lot of games. It's not a lot of games to get out. Now they're going to be rested, but I just don't think that there may not be enough games to get ready for an Alabama, a Notre or Clemson or what you know said team, Florida. I don't know. It's not a lot of games for the Buckeyes. They've not played a lot this year. Well, um, I think that's overrated, in my opinion, because I can say, well, they're very yeah. well rested. You know, they they're, they're not mm-hmm. have a lot of injuries, um, and you you find a way. And let's go back to the beginning. We can talk about this when there was going to be no Big Ten football. Uh, it's easy to blame the commissioner and whatever. The and we talked about it on my show this week with Franz Beard and others said, you know, Big Ten is out of business. They made a very bad decision, and they've been paying for it ever since then. Now, it wasn't the fault of Ryan Day in Ohio State. They were pushing the whole time. And you have to give credit to the parents of the Buckeye players and the players and others and Ryan Day for going out and fighting for it because they were dead in the water. There was going to be no Big Ten. And then you have the vision and leadership of Greg Sankey, who but for Greg Sankey, it wouldn't be in the football period. It'd all be gone. And I know it's a new phenomenon. It's very difficult to deal with because, you know, it's such a it's such a terrible thing to have to face, but it isn't reality as they know it, but it is reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just glad they're playing football. I congratulate those who have gotten this far. And the Buckeyes mm-hmm. will take their chances. They're just happy to have a chance. First, I got to beat Northwestern, and Northwestern is pretty scrappy. But I think Buckeyes roll. So, question: Yeah, they, they, yeah. For some reason, Northwestern does not play well against um, Ohio State over the years. They they usually get blown off the ball. I don't see anything different there. Um, that's just a nice nothing against Northwestern. They do, you're right, scrappy. Fitzgerald is the perfect coach for that program. Played there, perfect fit. Everything really goes well. I think. I think they'll be fine. I just wonder if there's enough games in there to get them warmed up. The bigger story for next year, though, is going to be Michigan. Michigan's going to be the big 2021 offseason story. And I thought Coach said it well. There's a lot There's a lot to digest there, and their offseason starts today. A lot. I, I think it's going to be the biggest offseason story. Uh, I think it's going to dominate as soon as the championship game's over. All right, Andy Bellman, back with you later. Andy's candies. Meanwhile, we're going to – we had a really good conversation with a guy who calls himself – Mr. College Football. And the reason he calls himself that, well, you're going to hear Tony Barnhart right now talking about it. So Mr. College Football. And by the way, I just said, I think it's one of my favorite nicknames, Mr. College. How'd you get that name, by the way? 
Oh, I can't, I can't take any credit for it at all. Back, uh, back in the day when I was at the Atlanta Journal Constitution, the, they had just ramped up their internet site and were looking for things to put on it. And the, the guy who ran that uh, internet came to me and says, Tony, we want you to do a blog. I said, great. What's a blog? And he explained to me what it was. And I said, so you want me to write stuff and put it on the internet to get people arguing amongst themselves. He said, that's exactly what he <laughs> And he said, I mean, I remember the guy's name, Scott Peacock was his name. Great guy. He said, but we're going to get, we're going to give it a, a, your blog, a title. I said, what's that going to be? He said, we're going to call it Mr. College football. And I said, that's kind of cheesy, isn't it? And he said, yeah, but cheesy works on the internet. So you're Mr. College football. And so I, the name stuck, and when I left the AJC, uh, I took it with me, and I ain't giving it back. <clears throat> no, and don't. You should name yourself Mr. Lottery Winner. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Tony's good to talk to you. How you doing? Okay? Doing all right. Just you know, hanging in there, just um, hunkering down, being socially distant, distant and doing everything I'm supposed to do. And, uh, oh, boy. So far, so good, but the family's doing well. Very good. All right, we're going to get serious about some football tonight on this podcast with Urban Meyer, by the way. you got some high cotton and, of course, Terry Bradshaw. And I wanted to get to you on the SEC. I have three big questions tonight that nobody can answer better than Mr. College Football. Uh, and we're going to start with one about the SEC championship game. You've seen them all, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of them. I've probably seen them all, but not one didn't cover them all. Uh, and now once again, it's Florida, Alabama for the 10th time. Talk about the history of this. I mean, we could go on with this for a while, but the Gators early on were able to get in and get some licks. And then Alabama has uh, moved back in and now to the front. And, and now we've got a Florida underdog by two touchdowns. Talk to me about this game, about what it means and about whether or not there be any chance at all for Florida against the Crimson Tide. Well, first of all, buddy, you made me realize something I, that I had not even thought about. I have been, let's see, the first championship game was in 1992, so I guess this would be 29, mm-hmm. number 29. Mm-hmm. I've been to all 28 of the games, but I, I won't be going to this one. And I, I did not think about that until just this moment. Uh, I, will, I will never forget – the first SEC championship game at Legion Field in 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a situation where uh, Birmingham had 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 the bid and they won. They won the game, and everybody was talking about the fact: well, if Florida beats Alabama, it's going to knock Alabama out of the uh, national championship game. Of course, we remember what happened in uh, Antonio Langham intercepting the pass to win. For Alabama, they went on to win the national championship. And it's been, you know, Florida and Alabama have played some just absolutely incredible football games. I will never forget 08 and 09. 08, when I stood on the field at the the Georgia Dome and an assistant coach at Alabama told me, hey, we're going to throw some things at Tebow tonight that he hasn't seen and wonder how long it takes him to figure it out. And early on, Tim was confused, but right before halftime, he figured it out 
and had a great second half. And of course, Florida won the game, went on to win the national championship. And that day, Nick Saban got his started getting his Alabama team ready to play Florida again in '09. And of course, that time Alabama won. Just a, just a lot of great history, a lot of great yeah. games. And uh, I, I feel very privileged to have been a part of it. Yeah, just a note on that. You're absolutely right. On this particular show, Urban Meyer's podcast we do every week, he was talking about that 2008 game. He thinks it's one of the great oh. football games he's ever seen and ever been a part of. I was at that game. I thought it was remarkable. The fourth quarter Florida played was probably its finest hour because it did something to Alabama that Alabama did to other people. They controlled the line of scrimmage in the fourth quarter. And Tebow, who was not supposed to be a good passer, made some terrific throws. Uh, and remember, Percy Harden wasn't even in that game. Uh, and yeah. that, that was probably as one of the top three, two or three victories by the Florida Gators of all time. As you say, one of the best ever uh, championship games. And one more note on that game where Shane Matthews threw that interception. Antonio Langham, Shane and I were doing earlier on his show this week, and he talked about that that show they did on 3030 about if – uh, that that game, uh, if that interception hadn't happened and Alabama would have been knocked out of the national championship, the SEC championship game might not have lived another year. Well, Roy Kramer has said that to me many times, uh, that the support would have been lost. But then then what happened is the following year, uh, uh, they come back at Legion Field. This time Florida wins. And then the game in 1994 mm-hmm. gets moved to Atlanta, which I think was a uh, obviously, I live here, and but the fact of the matter is, getting the SEC championship game in Atlanta really, really juiced it up, and it's been a sellout in June ever since. Yeah, yeah, and 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 by the way, uh, they used to kid about the old uh, Georgia Dog being a home field advantage for the Gators when Spurrier was coaching there because they were great, <laughs> and then, yeah. So, so the rich history and, and it's, and now look, let's go forward now and take me to the next step, which is today's announcement that the SEC sports will be all on ESPN, ABC, no more mm-hmm. CBS. And that's your old network. You work for them. I did. And, but this, this had been in the, this had been in the works for quite a while. Uh, I remember talking to, to, to the SEC people about it. They, for a long time, they were convinced that the deal that they made with uh, CBS uh, was really undervalued. They were getting $55 million a year for basically 16 games, 15 regular season games and the, and the SEC championship game. And they were paying $55 million to get the number one pick from the SEC every week. Well, that, that turned out to be some great games. Well, the SEC did some work and realized that $55 million was being undervalued. And the number that I heard about this a year and a half ago turned out to be true. This new deal is going to be just for the number one game and the SEC championship game, 16 football games. It's going to be The deal is going to be north of $300 million a year. So another 20000 or so per team huh, for school, right? Something like that? Yep. Yep. Amazing. And it comes at a it comes at a great time. Uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of the athletic departments are hurting. They've all lost forty, fifty, sixty million dollars mm-hmm. uh, because of this pandemic. And it comes at a comes at a very very good time for them. It does. Well, don't get me started about my plan. I've told you about a hundred times. They should have had eight to ten teams in the playoffs 
I started talking about that a year ago, but it didn't work out that way. But listen, given all they're going through with right now, uh, they're very fortunate to get to the finish line or close to it. I think they've only lost one game. Is that true? Yeah. They have the makeup games in them. Right. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they yeah. were 70, 70 regular season games plus the SEC championship mm-hmm. game. Obviously lost a game earlier this week, uh, Texas A&M mm-hmm. and Ole Miss. Uh, and that's the only game that's been lost so far. Uh, if that's they, amazing. if they play all the games next week, there'll be five games next week, the SEC championship game and four makeup games. If all the five get played this week and all the five get played next week, that will be 69. There'll be 70 of 71 games that were scheduled, which is a phenomenal accomplishment. No other conference can come close to that. Yeah. All right, Tony, I need a little outside help here, so we don't want to talk to homers like me. We want to talk to someone who has a little more objectivity about what's going on. What does Kyle Trask have to do to win the Heisman? Now, I know what you're going to say. It's one thing, naturally. But to me, it's more than one thing. It's really, in the end, still about the best football player. And I don't, I don't agree with Urban, who says, well, they should wait till the season's over and have the, have the vote for the Heisman. It's not a postseason award, and it's not MVP. It's best regular season. So it takes it to another level when you say, all right, Mac Jones or Kyle Trask? Well, whoever wins that head-to-head wins the Heisman. Is that the proper thing? Well, you have to say, let's assume that both quarterbacks play really, really well, which we would assume that they would. What's the tiebreak? Well, who, who won the game? Uh, but I just think that, you know, both of those guys are having just phenomenal years. And certainly, yeah. well, think about this. Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence are all going to play on the same day. And uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch. But, uh, you know, I think Kyle Trask has got a great opportunity to do it. When you look at the numbers of touchdown passes and the way that they played, uh, they can do it. Now, Florida, in terms of winning or losing, Florida needs to either win the game or keep the game respectable, which I, which I of course, think they will. But it, it's, I think it's, it just adds another subtext to that, uh, to that Alabama-Florida game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. And I can understand. Uh, you only have can help if you have a head-to-head comparison. That's definitely going to have to play. A, uh, and, and look, Mac Jones is a heck of a player. I, I've been a Mac Jones fan for two years. I've always thought he was a bit underrated. He also has a couple of weapons that anybody would love to have. <laughs> yeah. And and not you know Smith and, and Harris and those guys. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they get any votes. Uh, and then so when you take the eyeball test, and someone said to me, well. You take Trask and put him on the Alabama team, and then put Jones on the Florida team. What would that tell you? I'll ask you that question. No, I, I, I think either one would be comfortable uh, in the in the right offense. Uh, so I, I think they'd be doing the same. I, Trask would take advantage of the weapons he has, which is you know. And here's the thing: is that you know people forget about you know uh, you know you know Kyle Pitts, and I think it's Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. The fact that Tony has developed into the kind of player we thought he could be uh, is a big shot in the arm for Florida. Uh, and Alabama, I, I got to tell you, I was blown away by Devontae Smith the other night against LSU. Oh, yeah. It was just, amazing. I mean, and, and what was amazing is that Devontae Smith began the season as the number two receiver in Alabama. Uh, and all of a sudden, the top guy gets hurt. And all of a sudden, he's thrust into the main role, and he, he has absolutely taken advantage of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they're, they're, he's, he's, there's a lot about that. And really, they're all worthy of Heisman consideration. They were on different teams, maybe. I, I think just a quick comparison between the, the two quarterbacks, if I may, I think uh, I give a little edge to Jones on the deep ball, although Trask can throw it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I give him a little edge there. I give uh, Trask a little bit of edge on his ability to distribute. I don't know how many – receivers he's hit this year probably 12 13 at least they developed other receivers because of it you know where yeah. the ball's going whenever jones throws it you have a pretty good idea at least a couple of guys so i give uh trash a little edge there anyway there's one final question about trash i'll let you get off the subject but that is does the compelling story of a rags to riches remember we used to love those rags to riches or Alger stories when we were young and the, the story of a guy who goes uh, to college as a two-star and never starts a game uh, in high school and never starts a game in college and passes up on the transfer portal and hangs around. Why? We do not know to this day, except he liked being a Gator and he didn't have that many choices. Stepping in that night in Lexington and his body of work to get him now to one of the two best football, at least quarterbacks in the country. That is sort of a Hollywood script right there. Does that help him at all? Well, I think it does. I think it's a compelling story. You know, this is this is Kyle Trask's reward for being patient. Uh, I remember Georgia had a quarterback by the name of DJ Shockley, who's a, a highly recruited player, but who came to Georgia behind David Green. And David Green became a four-year starter and won one more game than any quarterback in Georgia history. Uh, and so, but DJ Shockley, a lot of people wanted him to leave, but he stayed. He took a redshirt year and stayed. And so as a senior, he was the starter and led Georgia to an SEC championship and was the MVP of the SEC championship game. And so sometimes it works out for you to stay. Sometimes you get rewarded for having, having stayed. And I think this was happening with Kyle Trask. And it's just an amazing story. I just remember I wrote this a while, uh, about, about a month or so back sitting in the office of Doug Nussmeyer, the offensive coordinator at Florida. And Doug, Nut- Doug Musmeyer, he told me, we were talking about quarterbacks, he said, so we got this kid, Kyle Trask, we took him because nobody else was going to take him. So we took him, and we just think, you know, if he gets on the field, he always seems to do the right thing. And I never forgot that conversation. So that night when Kyle Trask comes in uh, against Kentucky, uh, when Felipe Franks got hurt, I said, I, I thought about that conversation. So I was not shocked when he brought the Gators back and, and have not. That, that's a great comment. And now. I'll leave you with this one. My friend Lee McGriff, who does the color on the radio network, you know, Lee, good player, coach, what have you, knows his football. Uh, he told me about Kyle Trask a long time ago because he would go to practice and he could get into practice when some of us couldn't. And as a former receiver, he would sit there and salivate. And that's when Trask wasn't even get that many reps. He said, the ball he throws is so beautiful. And so I remember one of the first real great touchdown passes. I believe Freddie Swain last year, a post route for a touchdown. And I happened to be listening to the radio and I heard Lee talk about describe that pass. 
Look at that. What I wouldn't give to catch a ball like that. He said on the air. He was so excited. <laughs> Typical receiver. <laughs> Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Well, stay safe, stay home. I'll be watching uh, with you, but I'll be watching on my TV as well. Maybe I'll text you during the game to get your thoughts about it. And and I uh, hope you're doing well. And I'm sure I'll speak to you before the holidays. But if not, you and Minnesota's College Football have a wonderful Christmas. All right, Tony Barnhart. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. Guys, Merry Christmas. And, um, yeah, Tony Barnhart. Tony has a little Merry Christmas at the end there. We cut off. Sorry, Tony. Merry Christmas to you and one of my favorite guys we have on. Very knowledgeable guy. Been around the game a long time. It's funny that uh, uh, bring back in um, Andy Billman, our uh, executive producer, and uh, talking to Tony, he didn't realize that he's covered every game of the SEC championship, and this year he's going to have to miss because of obvious reasons. He's not traveling this year. Because of COVID, it's all changed, as we talked about earlier, Andy, the Buckeyes, whatever. And life has changed for Terry Bradshaw. We're going to hear from him in a minute. He's kind of got a message for America. That's going to be interesting. Yes, he does. It was very, very touching and moving. Real quickly, who do you like? And I know you guys are Florida people, obviously. Do you like Trask or Jones, Heisman? Well, yeah, you got my answer to that. (laughs) By the way, I liked uh, Jones before he became a candidate. I liked him a lot. I talked about him a lot on my show, but I've seen the progression of Kyle Trask. I agree. And as Andy, as uh, Tony and I talked about, if you don't like the guy, you got to love the story. You got to love the story. I agree. The guy who comes out of nowhere and didn't start in high school, didn't start at first, didn't, nobody knew he was on campus, and he emerges, he gets a chance and he maxes it. And now, odds of Vegas people say it's going to be Trask that wins it. Now we'll see. I don't buy, like I said to Tony, I really don't like the idea that you have to beat the other guy to win the Heisman because it's not a head to head competition. It's more of a regular season yeah. award. And I talked to Mike Bianchi, our Florida chairman of the Heisman Committee, who heads up our group of 30, of which I'm on Heisman voters. And <clears throat> we discussed that. It's not an MVP trophy, although Urban Meyer thinks it should be. And after mm-hmm. the bell, it's the body of work. Ohio State, by the way, has had two of them, as you know, two. One guy, Correct. I'm sorry. Back to one back to back. Archie, Archie Griffin's back Archie. to back. They've had, I think, five all over overall. I'm not sure. All right. So um, let's talk about Christmas home. Andy, I don't see any decorations in the back for the holidays. Uh, th- this is the sports room. So no, but we do have a Christmas tree up. And my mother did a great job of sending me not just that, but cookies and stuff to help with my weight, of course. Help Santa. I heard those cookies help Santa get presents. So it's all yeah. good. All right, so we're going to go right. This is a segue into Terry Bradshaw, who this week broadcast live on um, on his Facebook page, a beautiful setting for his ranch in Oklahoma. Terry's been out sick for three weeks, and so uh, we talked about how great it was. He had a fireplace roaring in the background, and we'll let Terry tell you how it looked for him, and he has a message for America. People don't realize you your own body. You travel a lot all over the country. It's not the world you do these shows, but you love being back in your home, although – you haven't been out to Hawaii for a while. We're talking earlier about you used to be right. for long periods of time. But now with the Bradshaw Bud show going on, you know, in the summertime, yeah. there's not a lot of time to go to Hawaii. I know you're longing no. to get back out there. Well, we're going to, we haven't been there in almost, it'd be two years February, and we got a granddaughter and a grandson. Um, uh, our daughter, Lacey, and husband Noah live there. <clears throat> and they're not going to be able to come for Christmas. Uh, and we can't get there. So that's, I was t- telling Tammy yesterday, look, 
this is just not, this is just a, this is just a year that, that I hope we forget real, real soon. And, Amen to that. Oh God, I just want, I just want to get past this. I know the, I know this country and the world and, um, it's ready to, ready to move past this, man. Just get past it. Uh, get back. I long for the day when we don't wear a mask and we have our vaccine and life goes on. And we have normalcy. Normalcy in politics, if that's possible. Normalcy in football and college basketball. We get back to just, you know, it's a funny, buddy. You don't realize <clears throat> how much just how much we've accepted um, status quo is, is being just that. We just we get used to it. And now it's, it's all blown out of proportion and out of whack. And we're all, we're all searching, scratching our heads and longing for that day. You know, when, you know, final four starts in March and, and the uh, playoff games and football and the championship game and, and with football, NFL, and Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl this year is going to have 15,000 people there. There's no corporate outings going to be there. I mean, that's just tough. Year. You know, and, and, that, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's being selfish because people, people's lives are being lost. People's lives are being lost. And that, you know, Terry, that, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, it's been so much a part of our life. And, you know, having the Masters in April again would be nice and having things in yeah. natural order. But on the other hand, when you think about it, uh, when you Johnny and I were sitting talking this morning, that we were so grateful to be here now and be together and go through this and just getting through the day, having your health is a big deal. So consequently, I think there's that. Now, final thought about that, and we might talk some football today if there's time. We'd like to try to do that. But, you know, our parents went through the depression and things that we heard about, stories and whatever. You know, and this is our depression. But in many ways, it's worse because not only are people out of work and getting kicked out of their houses and losing their jobs, but they also got the threat of the pandemic. So they got same thing that was happening to the group in, you know, 1917 uh, and 18 with all the Spanish flu stuff. Well, he lost millions yeah. of people around the world. But now we also got a depression of 29 and we got to both things happening. Hopefully, the hopefully this vaccine will come through for us and we can have, as you said, Terry, some kind of normalcy. Yeah, I, I, I want to be able to look back on this and and uh, look at all the uh, listen families are squabbling families are divided politically families are arguing screaming not talking to one another because of politics never seen a country so divided in my life never dreamed i would see so much hatefulness in this country never dreamed i've got family members that i love dearly and we argue about politics and it's just and there is no give and take. There's no, no. Well, yeah, maybe you're right. Oh, no, maybe it, it is flat. You know, straight line. And I just, I am just in shock at what we have gone through as a nation. Shock at 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 the hatefulness uh, that the American people can can harbor. Just. It just amazes me. 
just I, I can't find the words. I'm not smart enough to find the words here, but boy, we just got to get <laughs> excuse excuse me for offending anybody out there, but I'm not apologizing for loving me from Jesus. But boy, do we need it? have a Jesus awakening as far as I'm concerned. Well, we're all kind of uh, struggling with this right now. And I think families are yeah. taking a real beating. And I think the thing is, you say, it's hard to have not be able to have a conversation with a family member over politics right. or how to treat oh. the COVID or whatever. And that's what's really hurting us right now is just splitting our families in half. Politics, health, it's just a bad time. And my point was to say, I don't mean to just make our downplay our parents' difficulty, but this yeah. is worse than the depression when our parents do that. Well, I tell you what, um, we've seen highlights, we've seen newsreels of the, uh, of the Oklahoma rush and the people in their buggies trying to go through the crossover the valleys and all the sand and they're stuck and families sitting underneath uh, their, their cars, their trucks, trying to get out of the sun, babies, you know, families and babies and just, golly. It really existed. It really existed. And and we're seeing that this is our modern day version for sure. Um, and it's, it's found, I'll tell you what, it's tested us as a nation and as, a, as certainly as a people. Um, for sure. It, people, it just, Tammy and I talk about this all the time. It's just like, I have a hard time buying that this country has one hungry mouth. How can there be one hundred mouth in this great nation of ours with all the food that's wasted? How can we not have that? How can people not have homes, shelter? How can, in this great nation, and we've got people that cannot eat, feed their children, uh, put clothes on their back, have a job, a roof over their head. This great nation seems to me, if I were the running for president, you know, you got to fight the politics, but good gosh, all the Wilf Bezos out there, he could, he could write a check today and build thousands of apartments for homeless. There's people out there that could just write checks and just food banks would pop up all over the country. Thousands of them to feed people. Just, I can't understand it. You know, maybe that's because I'm, you know, got a good heart, you know, I just, it well, bothers you do. It you, bothers you, you're me. really good. You're a generous person, one of the most generous people I know. And that's the essence, I think, of somewhat of the politics. And I don't want to get into that, but that is, yeah. you know, what is your responsibility to take care of others? And I think that we have a mandate if in our faith to do that. Yeah. I think that's what we're talking about. Well, we yeah. might even get a little football yeah. talking. Okay. This is good stuff for you. And I, hey, let me I, do, let me this. say, let me, let me interrupt you though. I do want to, I yeah, want to thank, I want to thank our friend Urban Meyer for reaching out to me. He's such a good man. And, um, being concerned about my health and everything and having me in his prayers. And uh, Urban Meyer is a, is a good man. He and I have become really good friends. And, uh, so many times we don't, express our gratitude enough problem and i'm going to call him today um but i appreciate all that he has done for me uh while i've been down and out the last three weeks he's a good guy there well that's nice and i know he does think a lot of it he was worried about you as were a lot of us but i'm gonna just go take it up a notch here now i'm gonna say okay. 
how much fun it was to see your smiling face and everything. Oh, you got to watch your language, though, TB. You got to know. I know. I know. You know what, buddy? Out there. That's <laughs> well, the Bible says, and Mary rode Joseph's ass all the way. So I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I knew you thought of this scripture someplace. <laughs> I I had uh, I was so excited um, to be on the show. Uh, of course, I, I have, uh, I had a, a real estate company, uh, sell some land for Tammy and I, and this lady, when we were signing the contracts in a parking lot because of, of the, of the COVID-19, <laughs> we met in the parking lot and when she brought it over after mass down, she, <laughs> she bubba tea and I about coughed up a lung. I started laughing and I said, I have got to have me some bubble tea. And uh, so she sent me. <laughs> well, she for, sent for folks who don't know. Yeah. For folks who don't know, Terry came on the show. Your first appearance back in several weeks. And he had a cap on with fake blonde hair come out the side and fake buck teeth. It looked oh, horrible. It was like something that was worse than people in Tennessee. No offense to the people in Tennessee. And there you were. And I think the gang was kind of taken back. Like, what is that? You know? Well, <laughs> the bubble. There's Terry. Listen, you know, that's. It's, uh, Terry, I think. It, it was. It was ugly. And it was. You know, I needed ginger cream to stick them in. I couldn't keep them. My, my, they, they were falling out. But I. I. <laughs> Got the biggest kick out of wearing those things. Anyway, it was that was just kind of like the tension breaker. And here's what you've been missing, boys. And uh, then I yeah, I got onto this Jared Goff thing because the coach was complaining about the way he's playing, and I don't want to have to stand up at this podium after every game and constantly, you know, da 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 da. And so I said, well, don't pinch his ass. <laughs> Sit him down. You know, you pay him $134 million. Of course, my analogy, my comparison uh, was the fact that I've written checks for horses and I just had to have that horse and I overpaid for it. And then later you look at it and you go, why did I buy that horse? And that's yep. that was my analogy for Jared Goff. You gave him $134 million. All right. Wow. So stop your, stop your griping to me, Jack. You're the head coach. Then, of course, he goes out and plays great, which is fine. He does. He has moments where he's really good. Then when he's a good up against a really good football team, he's really bad. That's not a $134 million yeah. buck quarterback for me. So I, I said ass. <laughs> and everybody went, oh. They, they were all hollering in the studio. Uh -oh. about, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. And I'm like, really? The, I, it popped out, buddy. You know, it just <laughs> popped out. It's like. Oh, it's locker mean, room talk, yeah. and it just popped out. I mean, I would never say anything worse than that, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think America can live with that word uh, right now. I think America uh, probably it, got a kick out of the way. it. <laughs> America probably did. Exactly right. We can use a little levity about it right now. Uh, and and I, we've talked all these weeks now. By the way, it's great to have you back on the podcast, <laughs> and I know Urban's glad to oh, have thank you, you back. He precedes you on the show on the on the on our program. You did keep um, the you kept Friday's you kept football. the check that you got the check you sent me, and I sent it back. You got it right, okay? Yeah. You yeah, yeah I got okay. it. Yeah, 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 I got that check. That's too, way too much. Uh, well, I, I mean, ten dollars is way too much. But. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let me ask you this. Why haven't we, why have, I'm being a moderator okay. now, why haven't we talked about your Pittsburgh Steelers, the hottest <clears throat> team in the NFL? Well, we haven't talked about them because they're not really sexy, probably. Uh, you watch that Patrick Mahomes last night. He threw five or six passes. No, he threw more than that, that nobody could throw. And he's just, you know, sexy. I mean, he boy, they're fun to watch, man. Pittsburgh is a little more methodical. They're throwing the game Wednesday was 51 passes. Most of them quick slants, quick outs, you know, um, but that's how they – that was their running game. Uh, that's not their style of play, but the Connor guy, the running back's out with the COVID-19. So they're not as a sexy a football team. Bud Dupree, their linebacker, he's out. Bush, their linebacker, he's out. They're great defense, really great defense. And they can play with anybody. Offensively, we have not seen them – uh, explode vertically. We've seen it horizontally. In other words, Ben's throwing a lot of passes to the outside, you know, little quick slants. He's not hitting the zone routes and the takeoffs and the posts and things that he's really good at. So that may change today against Washington football team, but we should talk about them. They are undefeated. Even I on our show yesterday, God forgive me for saying this, said that Kansas City was is the better football team. But, but you know, and listen, Kansas City is the better football team right now. Um, but Pittsburgh gets them at home. Well, you just hit upon yeah. it right there, Terry. It's more fun to they watch. They are. You know, Kansas City is really fun. It's like a video yeah. game. I mean, you know, like you said, the Steelers are methodical. Ben does a good job. And, they got to grind the game. They got the good defense, and it's old style football. But do we see the game yeah. change? Well, Mahomes, the yeah. new game is the one Patrick Mahomes. Well, Mahomes changed it. He's got, their offense moves. It's a, their offense moves a lot of play action, a lot of movement out of the pocket by him, a lot of throwing on the run by him. Ben not going anywhere. Ben staying in the pocket, and their offensive line didn't block as well. Uh, he had a lot of drop passes uh, Wednesday, um, and they stay right there. And if you're just going to sit there and throw, look, when Tom Brady was winning Super Bowls in New England, it was methodical, what, crossing routes with the tight ends from the slot positions, read zone, hook up, man coverage, run away, boom, 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 zone route, 40 yards, touchdown. That's all they did. And you're saying, you know, like, oh, okay. All right. All right. I get it. I get it. Mahomes, on the other hand, hey, it's, it's a different game. It's showtime, baby. And it's, uh, it's fun to watch. So I think that has a lot to do with it. It just styles of play. Uh, just more fun to watch Kansas City than it is Pittsburgh. That's just back, Jack. And that's the name of the game today, especially in college. Yeah. You said earlier you haven't watched much college because yeah. the game without the fans is that's not true. the same to right. people, including right. you. And and so here we are if down here in Gainesville and Ocala. Very excited about the Gators getting, uh, you know, getting and winning the SEC East. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the tear 
that Kyle Trask has been on and the number of touchdowns. How many you got now, buddy? He's pushing the envelope. 38, wow. and he's getting close to records, wow. you know, getting up there with uh, in the, in the high numbers. And he's got, obviously, LSU, which should be good for a couple. And then, of course, the bad news is they got to go play Alabama. Terry, that's well, kind of a mixed blessing yeah. there. But here's the thing. You, you measure yourself against, obviously, the teams you play, all right? That's just the way it is. It's not your fault that uh, you maybe had to play uh, Rutgers or, you know, Kentucky State. I mean, that's just the schedule to set up, and that's who you're measured against. Now, now you get into the championship game, and now you go up against the bullies on the block. And now you get them – now you get a – a real sense of how good your program is. And that see that that sense came when Clemson beat Alabama with Deshaun Watson and they got a sense of this program can play with Alabama. Alabama is the is the measuring stick. And now Florida. I'm telling you buddy, Florida plays with Alabama and I think they can. And I definitely think they can beat them. And the way they'll beat them, now this is stupid, I know. Is they're going to have to outscore them? <laughs> the, the word is point for point. You know, it could be 40 to 42, something, you know, something like that. But they can play with them, beat Alabama, beat Alabama, and now you know where your program stands. You know, beat. And that's a big yes, measuring stick. You know, it's like saying, okay, Terry, all you got to do is go win four right. Super Bowls and you'll be in the right. Hall of Fame. I mean, it's beating Alabama is the problem, right. you know. And, and when you look at the stars on that team, you look you look at uh, at Mac Jones, a quarterback, really good player, but he's got Devonta Smith, yeah. the wide receiver, who gets open. wide open. He gets wide time. open. He's a first-round pick. Man. Oh, my Think God. Think about all the players. You got Najee Harris, the running back. You- yeah. Have you ever seen a program that put out more number one draft choices at wide receiver? Judy last night for Denver. I love that kid at Alabama. Now, they don't they don't have the quarterback around them or the offense around them. And when they get Sutherland back from uh, who was a their first round pick out of SMU, he's got a knee right now. That's going to be a really good package of wide receivers up there in Denver. Uh, then you look at <laughs> Julio Jones, and you look at the Ridley, the other guy down in Atlanta. Are you kidding me? All out of Alabama. All out of Alabama. I mean, oh, and they just line up to go there. Just line up to go there. Amazing. They're tremendous. Yeah. And the flip side of that is that Florida's had some really good ones, none yeah. like that. But all four of their seniors last year were signed and are playing on NFL from last year. And Billy Gonzalez, and you talk about a player, you seem uh, that there's not a better tight end. No, I agree. Than what Florida's got. I Uh, love Kyle. Kyle Yeah, he's the real deal. I mean, Um, if you've got, you know, it's like that Howard guy that went to um, Tampa Bay out of Alabama. I thought when they when they drafted him, the Buccaneers, I said, whoo. What a machine this is going to be. And hadn't panned out. Of course, he's hurt now. Uh, and maybe he comes back and maybe he, he's only in his – this would have been his second year. But, my gosh, I mean, you got a tight end that can run. How about that Waller guy 
with the Oakland Raiders. I mean, Oakland Raiders. With the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, they got some good. Woo! Tight ends become yeah. a real effective weapon, yeah. hasn't it, Terry? It really has. And you used to have a few yeah. good ones, but you're talking about tight ends now that play like yeah. five receivers. And if you take Florida's got – Florida leads the nation in touchdown passes with the three tight ends they've wow. got. Of course, Kyle Pitts being number one. But they could put three tight ends on the field at the same time. I'm waiting for them to put them in a bunch yeah. together. You know, three and those three guys. I mean, yeah. they're all good athletes and they're good. It'll be, in, you know, buddy. Well. Yeah. So yeah, it'll tight. be interesting, buddy. Uh, I'm not worried about um, Florida being able to score. I'm worried about Florida having time for Trash to set up and go through his progressions. If he can do, yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah. you on that. I'm also worried about stopping. Oh my God! Because the defense yeah. has been spotted. Yeah, you know that quarter. Hey, where are these quarterbacks? You know, how would you like to be a a general manager out there going, man, we got to have a quarterback for our football team. Do I go down there and Matt Jones, do I draft this guy? Uh, or is it because is it he's really good? <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's like that LSU quarterback that went to Cincinnati. Is he really that good? Or is it just those three wide receivers? Well, yeah. well he was. Yeah, he heard. Right. yeah. It's a hard – it's a hard hey, – Well, here's, here's, here's the – yeah. Here's the eye test, Terry, and you're going to be able to tell us this after the SEC championship game when they go head to head. But, you know, obviously, and you people said, well, Terry is a good quarterback and he had all these weapons oh, sure. and so on and so forth. And that's the curse of Mac Jones has got all his weapons. And if you put the two, if you take these two quarterbacks, you flip them, you put Trask on Alabama and Jones at Florida, what would that be like? And I think you have to say that Trask has done a little more Aside from having some really good wide receivers, having Kyle Pitts, the best wide receiver in the country. I mean, look what look what they've got in Alabama. Yeah. I mean, they got so many weapons, yeah. Terry. And so the question is, if you interchange the quarterbacks, what kind of teams right. do they have? Well, listen. Don't ever don't ever think that every great coach doesn't have a great quarterback. Don't ever think they are almost Locked at the hip. Um, there's not a great coach who doesn't have a great quarterback in college or pros. You can look at Belichick for his greatness, but he had he had the he had Brady. Brady had Belichick. Bradshaw, no, no Bradshaw. Stallback, um, Landry, Landry Stall. John Madden, Kenny Stabler, and vice versa. I mean, you look at it historically. And one always has the other, always. And the great Mullen, as great a job as he's doing, he's got that quarterback. And you look at the, the coach at Alabama. He's man. When has he not had a good quarterback? He, he, he didn't. You know, even Hurts, who who played uh, yesterday for the Eagles, uh, and they got rid of him and in place of Tua. He's always had a great quarterback. And the quarterbacks have always had, and he's smart enough to know if I've got a quarterback, I better protect him. Okay, I can, I'll get linemen. Boy, they get them too. Then I got to have weapons, and he gets the weapons. It's all part of the package. So you can never say to yourself, Trask is, 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 is just really good, but he's got all these weapons. No, no, no. He's really good. And all those weapons, weapons, he's helping them be good. They're helping him be good. It all works together. They both need one another. And they're not inseparable. There's very few times. Just name me one right now where they had a great team, 
despite the quarterback. I don't think he can do it. Very good point. I remember some great quarterbacks who didn't have much of a team, and John Elway had one that went to the right. Super Bowl, and uh, you predicted they'd get blown out in that game and uh, call the score. Uh, and Elway oh. got clobbered, whatever the final 15, score was, 49 to 7 to 10 or something. was the final, About and I you... said the final score would be 55 to 3. And everybody laughed me out of New Orleans. Do you remember that? I remember it well. They also wrote about you the whole week. <laughs> they said I'd been drinking and <laughs> actually. Well, that too. <laughs> I, do. I do. And the next thing, next week. Yeah. I remember, buddy. Yeah, the next thing we know, you're the star at CBS. So there's that. Well, that I was so there. mad I had to go back down there because of my comments. And CBS made me come back down there and do their pregame show. And explain myself. <laughs> so, explain yourself. Sir. Well, uh, and so I listen. <laughs> I had it. I had it. I I analyzed it exactly the right way. And I looked at I looked at the game that Montana had had played in the playoffs and so on and so forth, and how he had gotten better in every game, every game, every game, every game, and how John just. They just barely got by from what I can recall. And it was just not as dominating wins in their defense, was it? And, and so I think if you're going to make a statement, make a statement. <laughs> you did. And Elway brought the team back a bunch of times mm-hmm. in the quarter. You know, oh, yeah. a year. I covered yeah. that team. And, you know, and so they were not that good. And it was exposed under the bright lights, as it often is. So now the question is, <laughs> will it be exposed under the bright lights for the Florida Gators or the Alabama? Uh, I think most – I don't even know what the line is, but I'm sure Alabama's heavily favored. That's okay. You know, David took uh, four little rocks and put them in his sling and swung out one time and hit that big old giant right between the eyes and knocked him down, went up and cut his head off. So no biggie, you know. We need to go get about 11 slings and <laughs> take them down to Gainesville so they can do that against Alabama. It's going to be fun. And uh, even though we this is a COVID year, TB, it's good to hear you laughing again. I'm glad you I am, buddy. better. And I know everybody. I'm back. Fans I'm are. good, buddy. Thank you. And uh, I just wish I look forward and, to it. Uh, we'll talk hope again soon. I hope I see you soon, you and Joni. We got to get, get fast where we can visit. We can't even visit anymore. Gee whiz. Hey, I'll tell you what we'll do. That's true. We'll charter a jet and we'll go to Hawaii for six weeks. What do you say, bub? <laughs> Let's go and we'll I've play seen that movie. It was we'll pretty play good. some cards and maybe uh, play a little golf and have oh, some championship games, man. Let's do it. What do you say? Oh, man. Let's go do it. I can't oh, wait to I do know. <laughs> All right, TB. Love I buddy. love you, brother. You take care of yourself and uh, keep uh, stirred up. <laughs> okay, I will. Turn <laughs> back, so. Okay, well, there you go. Terry Bradshaw always fills it up. Uh, we talked, we did that interview earlier in the week before the Steelers got beat. So when he was talking about, he was talking about, uh, you know, the the, the, uh, the Steelers as an undefeated team. And he sure loves Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, uh, you know, when you love a team, you love a team. And that's, uh, I'm thinking now about the Cleveland Browns. Who could love the Cleveland Browns, Brendan? Anybody, I don't know anybody who loved the Cleveland Browns. Oh, wait a minute. There's a guy on right now who loves the Cleveland Browns, and 
he's going to sing, not now, but later on Andy's Candies. And all right, here's your 60 seconds of fame. Go. Poor Terry Bradshaw. The Steelers lost that tough Washington, no nickname team. The Browns are coming. The Browns are coming. They're coming fast. Now Baker Mayfield's playing at an unbelievable level. You know, everybody just get on board. We're the America's team. They, the Cowboys couldn't even hang on Sunday night anymore. Now it's time for the Cleveland Browns, the America's team. It's been a little dormant. We've been in a little bit of a coma, but we've awoken. And, you know, everybody just get on board the, the Browns Express. We're coming. We're coming for the Steelers. We're coming yeah, for the Steelers. We, got it. we, got we are it. so good yeah. right now, buddy. It's just coming out of the yeah. ears and eyeballs. Yeah. And you know when a Why network you says, you know, we got to explaining push, what push you're out doing the cowboy. who you are to the people watching who don't know about Believe Land and Cleveland and Cleveland and beyond. Real quick, you are a Browns lover. You got 20 seconds to go. And then we're going to come back. We're going to hear from Cassidy about a real conference, the SEC Cassidy <laughs> Hill, our chief correspondent for Gateway. And then we're coming back for you. You get to sing, folks. Yes. Don't well, on, on second thought, do miss it, okay? Stand by, Andy. We'll get back to you in a minute. We're going to talk about. What's happening in the SEC? There was big news this week uh, regarding television. Looks like all the CBS right. games have gone away, and now ESPN is going to have everything SEC. And maybe Andy can talk to us about that and this album monitor. Here yep. was Cassidy Hill talking about the SEC. Right? It's time for Cassidy Hill and Around the SEC. Yeah, buddy, uh, of course, the biggest news in the SEC this week is uh, LSU's self-imposed ban that might be using the term a little uh, too kindly. It's um, it, it's almost laughable um, because the ban is in a year where they're probably not going to a bowl game anyways. Even when restrictions have been lifted, they're their record, they haven't looked good enough for a bowl that's going to invite them. And that's the year they impose a ban. Um, it's a few scholarships spread out over a couple of years. Um, OBJ is banned from the facilities for the next two years. I think that one's a little ridiculous, just in my personal opinion. Um, you know, yes, technically he knows that uh, he shouldn't have been handing out money. But it was all to guys that were going pro anyways. Um, you know, have have school officials, have NCAA officials on the field to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen because on the field is a mad dash after the game anyways, after a national championship. And there are no more rules after that game. I've, I've been a part of the hoopla on the field after a national championship and, and nobody cares about protocol anymore. Um, so it's... I, I do think it's a little um, insane that this ban is even coming because of the OBJ thing and also a lot of it because of Will Wade and the basketball program. Um, and then on top of all that, they're they're imposing this, this wrist slap of a ban over something that's a little ridiculous, and they have still not addressed the USA Today investigation, which came out uh, about three weeks ago at this point, and nary a peep, and and that's a little um, frustrating just because those were serious allegations against uh, players and coaches in the program of uh, 
you know, sexual assault and, and, and abuse. And those are not recruiting violations. Those are serious crimes. And not only LSU, but it seems like so many people just around the country have just completely ignored it. Um, so, you know, I wish I would have seen, I wish it's not going to happen, but I wish we would have seen something from LSU also addressing that and maybe including that in this ban. Um, they did not. And then uh, other than that, you know, it's just teams sort of wrapping up their games. The Texas A&M Ole Miss game will be off because of COVID. That one was going to be an interesting one. If for no other reason, then I, I thought there was a decent chance Ole Miss could win that game. And Vanderbilt and Georgia, I believe. Um, I don't think that one is going to get rescheduled. I do, I do need to double-check that. So these next couple of weeks are going to just be a lot of teams uh, finishing up games as they get ready for their bowl selection, which will come on December 20th. Uh, but, of course, the game in the SEC and, and really in the country will be Florida, Alabama, and Atlanta next weekend. It'll be the 13th time both teams have gone to the game. They are tied for the most in the league. And I believe it'll be the ninth or tenth time that they have faced each other. It's, it's 10, by the way. It is 10, Yeah. Now most common matchup in the SEC championship game. And um, so that'll be next week, and that'll determine who goes to the playoffs. And, you know, it could even determine how many SEC teams get into the playoffs because if Florida wins and it's still relatively close, then you could see both Florida and Alabama make it in. So uh, that'll be the one to watch next weekend. And, you know, this weekend Florida plays LSU, Alabama plays Arkansas, they're essentially going to be tune-up games for both teams as they prepare for Atlanta. And that's with a caveat that they don't get hit with COVID. As we know, that's always yes. the thing we don't know about. It's been a bizarre year. And let me just say a word. I know you'll agree with me on this. These kids and these coaches, what they've done this year to get this season on and play this far, I don't care. I know we don't believe in moral victories around here and certainly don't in Tuscaloosa. But the fact is, kudos. Like I said in my column, I'm not big on participation trophies. This time, I think I'll be handing one out. Yeah, uh, props to everyone for for making it this far. And, and yeah, it's a struggle. And it's going to be a struggle to get through these last couple of weeks. But Selection Sunday is just around the corner. Then everyone gets a couple of weeks' breaks before the ball game, and that's going to be huge. Um, and so, you know, it's – it's going to be a struggle to finish, but for all intents and purposes, college football's just about made it. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. 
You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Okay, that was Cassidy Hill, um, chief correspondent for Gator Bait. She'll be in Atlanta this weekend, not this weekend, next weekend. This weekend, the Florida Gators play LSU. Uh, So maybe you want to bet a bob or two. You know, you used to have to go to a bookie. Now you don't have to worry about that. You can go online, offshore, whatever. Uh, And this weekend, the Florida Gators are heavily favored, of course, um, to beat a downtrodden LSU team. And coming up in just a minute, well, let's see. Is he here around here right now? I mean, I think he might be here, right? Uh, This is called, I don't know why, Andy's Candies. And traditionally – Andy Billman, the only reason he's executive producer, he wants to sing. So get your brownies uh, doll out. Get your brownies doll out. Do your song. Come we'll here. go to, we'll go to Black. And uh, then we'll come back and talk about some real football, which would be the games we got coming up this weekend. <laughs> real football? Uh, yeah. So um, Andy Billman, and do we have any music? Uh, no. How about Time he now sings. for Andy's Candies. Andy's Candies. <laughs> he has his own music. He usually sings. No, I better. Let's hear from yeah. Andy's Candies. <laughs> Go, brother. Hey, look, for everybody out there, check out Clue and Beyond. Yeah, these guys are jealous because, are you, you know, me? Terry's a little upset. Everybody's a little upset because the Browns are taking over. America's team is back. We've been dormant, but we're back. This is the right. tribute to uh, Dolly Parton. I'm a big Dolly Parton are fan. You saying Browns are nine and three on their way to the playoffs. Uh, America's team, Baker, Mayfield, Nick Chubb. Titans losing their mind. Derrick Henry fumbling. Browns are nine and three on their way to the playoffs. Uh, America's team, Baker, Mayfield, Nick Chubb. And, you know, you can just cycle that. That's Everybody, you're welcome. You are welcome. The executive producer is giving you content. You are welcome. Hashtag blessed with that We song. just lost 25 viewers. America's right team there. is back. America's team is back, everybody. Get on right. board. I mean, how? You America's know, team. I, 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 I think that name might but uh, just, just so you know, how did you do on your wagers last week? And this segment, by the way, is – about wagering and not about your scene. Yes. No, no, very true. Two and two last week. The Gators actually bit me. They were up late. Then Tennessee got a late touchdown. I was a throwaway that killed people like myself. It took the Gators. So two and two Backdoor last cover. week. Bama came through. Mm-hmm. Yep, Clemson came through. And, uh, you know, that's that's what you got to do sometimes. But the Gators, one of the teams that bit me a little bit. But with that in mind, let's lead off with your Gators. Uh, Cassie Hill just talked about it. Um, I, they are giving up 23 and I take the Gators. This is, I think this is easy peasy. I think this is a candy brush. Take the Gators for everything you just heard on this show. Next game is UNC Miami. UNC's getting three. This is a pure Mac Brown pick. I like coach Brown. Take coach Brown. I like the heels in this game. I don't love it, but I like it. Take the cane, take the heels on the road against the Canes. There we go. I took BYU last week. That was one of the teams that also bit me. They did not cover. They lost, actually, outright to Coastal Carolina. Chanticleers, I think baby. they bounced. Chanticleers, my new team. That's right. That's right. That was an exciting game. That was a fun game last week. Um, this week, they play San Diego State. I think it's back to business for the Cougars. I think they bounce back big. If you look at their 
games this year. They have won in most in most times blowing out other opponents. I think they get revenge. I think this team will be focused. I think they blow out the Aztecs at home. You're giving up 16. I love the Cougars at home, though. You give away 16 and you'll cover easy. And then lastly, to the you know to the conference that Buddy teases about all all year, which is fine. They've earned it. The Big Ten, Michigan State and Penn State. Penn State's giving up 14 and a half, but they've been finishing the year strong. I think Michigan State will check out in this game. I think they will easily cover again, giving up 14 and a half in Happy Valley. But I think Penn State's uh, will will get that. They'll make it three in a row and they'll cover the 14 and a half against Sparty. So Gators, Heels, Cougars, Nittany Lions. Guaranteed. I like the Do you Cougars. Guaranteed. I love the Lions. It's a lock. I Is it a lock or is it not a lock? The, 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 there's two locks: the yeah. Cougars and then the Lions. The Gators, I don't know. The Gators, they've been—I mean, you tell me—they've been kind of sleepwalking a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Sleepwalk and score thirty-five to forty. I'm good with that. And if the defense starts playing a little better, which yes. by the way it has played a little better, according to Urban Meyer, yeah, uh, and others. That's true. I don't take my word for it. They got a ways to go. That's true. Because they know what's around the corner. And as I wrote in my column, yes, you know, I know Alabama. I've seen Alabama. Alabama is no friend of the Gator Nation, just so you know, all right? All right, Andy Scanny, <laughs> stand by. I'm going to ask you to comment on something, all right? Yep, you, you got, got it. Do your thing. Now, Brendan, is it all right? There we go. Okay, we, there's some people who have really been great and helped us do this, and uh, we really appreciate the Gator Bait Lighthouse people who supporting not just this program, but also – Gator Bait Publications, Gator Bait Media, of which he's the TV director. Um, what they call, I guess, the editor or whatever it may be. But I want to thank them right now. Thanks to everybody for making Best Fridays in Football possible. That includes Gator Bait Lighthouse. The slogan of this people is some really great people and big names and small names. Truth, honor, and dignity. Dr. Jim Duke, Sissy Long, Lauren Meadows. And sad to say, Lauren lost his dad this past week. Jeffrey Meldon of Meldon Law. Max Steen, the former Gator captain. Jeff Ulmer of the Ocala Quarterback Club, sponsor of the Scott Brantley Trophy. Mike McGinnis, captain of the Ocala Quarterback Club. Joe and Joey Sorrentino. Joey is a former Gator player, now a dentist in Ocala. Rentstar Medical Research is Joe's company. And lastly, and not leastly, Diane Palmer, in memory of her husband, late husband, Whit Palmer Jr., one of my good friends, and a devout Gator fan. So, Okay, so uh, time for our final thoughts. And uh, we're going to uh, have to wake up Andy here. Is Andy staying on for final thoughts? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm, right are you guys doing it together? I want to do the show. No, I okay. Really okay, well, here's what this I was always, listening I to the read. To lunch. I, all we always yeah, do seriously. these credits before we get to final thoughts, but uh, you think the director might know that, but that's why I have a piece of paper. So, final thought to Andy, you ready? Uh, yes. You know, Ray Perkins passed away this week at 79. Some people say, who's Ray Perkins? I know Ray Perkins. You do. You met Ray Perkins. I know. Ray Perkins succeeded Bear Bryant at Alabama. This is a job you wouldn't want. And he brought the Giants back to respectability when I was working in New York. Uh, and uh, went on to coach Tampa Bay and, of course, to coach Alabama. I, I remember the day, Andy, I happened to be in his company. My wife and I went to Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, uh, mm -hmm. to have a cookout at Ray's house, just the four of us. 
We played a little tennis. <laughs> Malcolm and I could play tennis. Um, and uh, Ray was very much in his element there, bringing the Giants back, resurrecting right. the Giants because they were down a long time, Andy. They were just a bad team. And so um, yep. uh, finally the Giants upset the wild card, uh, upset Philadelphia NFC champion in the wild card game and lost to the divisional round of 49ers. So anyway, Giants were not very good. Before Ray was there, there were 74, 134, and 4 in 15 seasons. Now, what's important about him was the day I was in New York that day, Brendan, he was very much in this element. I said to him, what are you going to do, Ray, if they call you at Alabama to -hmm. succeed Bear Bryant? Because there are only about four or five guys I could see getting it. And I thought he might be one. And he didn't even bat an eye. He was flipping his stakes over there, and he said, I think spoke of the cigar. He said, I'm going to go. I said, you would leave the New York Mm -hmm. Giants to coach Alabama? Why? He said, because it's Alabama. He, of course, played there, was a great player. Paul Feinbaum said this week, I thought, very good point, Andy, weigh in on this. He said, the toughest acts to follow in sports, there are three of them, and one of them is Gene Bartow at UCLA after John Wooden. One of them is Joe B. Hall at Kentucky after the great Otto Frump. And now, of course, the next one was Ray Perkins for Bear Bryant. How'd you like to follow those acts? Yeah, I mean, I'd add Dean Smith in there. That was a hard follow for Guthridge. There's some other guys in that level, and you're right. And Ray made a big impact and to have a major impact on two big football clubs and professional and college. Uh, you hear about Ray Perkins. He was followed by Curry. And to your point, I mean, he – he he started the Giants on their way, and, of course, Parcells took them to New Heights. So Curry had a major impact in two big, big football programs. Good man, sad day. Sad to see Sad to see like someone like that go. Ray had his own idea. I once took my daughter over to talk to him, and she was having issues about what she wanted to do. He took a piece of paper and said, this is you. Where do you want to go? This is your ex mm-hmm. right here, and here's a line. Go right to it. He was very much linear in his thinking, which made him a good mm-hmm. coach too, but sometimes not very popular. Like when he got to Tuscaloosa yeah. a few months after he got there, the legendary tower that Bear Bryant coached from, he took, took it, it down. down. And Bear Bryant was yeah. his coach, just so you know. All right. Any final thoughts, guys? I think Michigan 2021 is interesting, and it feels like a slow buildup to championship week with Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida, Bama. feels like a slow buildup. And then, of course, everybody should watch the Browns. It's America's team. And, of course, Brendan's final thought is lunch. So yeah, can we go to lunch? He's, he's really focused. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> here we go. We hope you're enjoying the best Fridays in football podcast with Urban Meyer, Terry Bradshaw, and others. If you do, please share it. On behalf of director Brendan Martin, that's him, and executive producer Andy Billman, that's the guy on the screen that we're like watching, which you can't hear in the podcast correspondent Cassie Hill and others. We thank our guests. I'm Buddy Martin, and you've been listening to one of the best Fridays in football on the Evergreen Podcast Network.
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.